Welcome to the Cork Church Podcast. We are so glad that you're joining us today. We hope that this message inspires you, builds your faith, and encourages you in the things of the Lord. Enjoy the message. Wow, this is a great full house this morning. The Apostle Peter um, says four times that he was going to remind those precious saints things they already knew. He said, for this reason, I won't be negligent to remind you always of these things, though you know and are established in the present truth, because sometimes we just need to be reminded of things. And in the reminders, there is sometimes something new that he got, because his word is eternal, his truths are eternal. So there's just a few quick things and then something I just want to hone in on that I trust will encourage you. Uh, The Lord has healed wounds this morning, Uh, uh, some deep wounds. And you may think, oh, they're still there. No, no, that's just the impression they will go. You know when, when the ground is wet and you put a stone on it and then you take the stone off, the stone is gone, but sometimes the impression is still there. That will go. You just believe he's healed us today of certain things that have lingered, that have hung, that have been in residue in your life, and you're wondering, oh, well, I just have to live with them. Yes, there are some things we just have to live with. My wife just has to live with me, but she manages, okay? But there are other things. He takes them away. Hallelujah. Now, there's a few things. So these, one of those words, he, Peter uses a couple of Greek words when he talks about those four times to remember or be reminded. And one, one indicates an often performed habit. And that's what we're doing this morning. We meet together on a Sunday morning. It's, it's on one level an often performed habit, but actually on another level, this is unique. This won't happen again. This is unique. God is so vast, vaster than those galaxies. That are they, they are now exploring even new galaxies with this James Webb uh, a telescope. Some amazing photos coming through on NASA. They said, we haven't found this one before. And I said, ha ha. <laughs> but, but, but there's this sense of the eternal God in our midst. Here's one thing to remember. Until we know Jesus, God is merely a concept. He's just an idea. He's just a theory, a vague notion, an abstract entity. And everyone has, well, not everyone, but a lot of people have an opinion about God. Wars have been fought in, in Christ's name just because people had a concept about him. So if you don't know Jesus, you can today. Listening in here, you may be interested in him, know about him, even read his word, but you don't actually know him. You haven't become acquainted. You can because he wants you to. And, and that's one thing. The other thing is to say there is no one remotely comparable with him. He is life on another plane. Even when we get a bit stuck down here on the horizontal, he is life on another plane. And we've experienced and touched things this morning. We've felt the wind in our sails this morning, haven't we? Just because we've continued to meet, continued to just make the effort to come, find a parking place. You know, I came in, I was stuck a little bit from time. I spent about five minutes too long up at exit eight having my coffee. I didn't have my wife with me saying it's time to go. And I was saying, oh, will I ever find a parking place? And I went around twice. And I said, I wonder, has Andy any key? I looked in the reception. Andy wasn't there. And, and then I get a phone call. 
And it's Andy. He said, the door's open. And I drove in and came right in. For Andy, it was just something he saw me going around. But for me, it was like a prophetic word. I said, is he there? And boing, and the door was open. And that's sometimes the way it is with the Lord. Third thing I just want to say before I dip into something else. And we've sung it today. But just to remind us, in around AD 33, the emphasis completely shifted at a place called Gaul. Gotha, in uh, just the backyard of uh, 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 somewhere in the Roman Empire called Palestine. Spiritual life changed. It changed from revelation from without, commandments, laws, trying to do things, to transformation from within. From religion to relationship. It's wonderful. And what this relationship with this extraordinary person. Amen. <laughs> right, we can go home there now. That's what I want. No, I'm only joking. Um, I haven't come all this way just to say those few things to you. But here, here, here's, here's something. A while back, I heard about a book written by an Irishman who later became Sir. And his name was Sir Robert Anderson. He was born in Dublin about 1840-ish and raised in Dublin, and he worked hard, went to Trinity College, I believe, his parents worked hard to put him through there, and he became a successful barrister, and eventually he became an assistant command, assistant um, commissioner of Scotland Yard, and he, 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 he was an intelligence officer within the CID, so a bright guy. But he was also a Christian theologian and a writer, and he's best known for his book, The Coming Prince, uh, in which he forensically examines the prophecy in Daniel 9, uh, where the Messiah prophesied that he would come 483 years later. And Anderson was taken up with this, and he wrote this book, and his calculations showed that Jesus rode into Jerusalem to public acclaim, I think it's recorded in Luke 19, on the precise day that was prophesied by Daniel. Now, I, I was just sort of interested in this sort of prophetic thing, and I found that interesting. And as I was beginning to read, so, so Daniel 9, I get out Daniel 9, but as I was beginning to read this chapter of Daniel 9 and to delve further into this amazing prophecy, I was somehow ambushed, kind of arrested, interrupted by something else, by his prayer. That actually takes up two-thirds of that chapter. And we hasten through the prayer, at least I was, to get to the prophecy. I mean, prophecy is wonderful. Prophecy can grab your attention, but I tell you, prayer gives you an answer. Hallelujah. And I just was beginning to, and I'm not going to go out, I don't have time, and it's all right. I, I have about 20 points that spoke to me about praying and what it is and how we do it from this man, Daniel, and what he wrote. So here's a few of them. Now, there are three significant chapter nine chapters in the Old Testament that contain a prayer of a similar nature to Daniel 9. It's Ezra 9 and Nehemiah 9. And some Bible uh, scholars say that they were influenced by this prayer by Daniel, which was probably written down or somehow they'd heard about it. And it contains some tremendous insights for prayer. And I was thinking about that prayer meeting that you have here on Sunday morning, Monday night, and Thursday, midday. You know, Jesus in my house shall be called. If you want to call it anything, 
Don't call it seeker-friendly. Don't call it, you know, the palace on the hill. Call it a house of prayer. And there's a reason for that. Have you ever noticed, it happens with me, someone gets up and they said, "Uh, I'd like to just say a few words about prayer. And you say, oh no, not another sermon on prayer. It's something in us, but we have to move from that and say, tell me more, tell me more. (laughs) I want to know about this. Wet my appetite for it. Take away that other propaganda from even from, from the wicked world itself that wants to shut us off from prayer or sane prayers or something else. It's a whole new world. So it contains some wonderful insights. And just the impact of such prayers, even his prayer, was not due to eloquence or length. We're not heard in heaven through much speaking or persuasive words of wisdom, but through a simple Faith response to God's self-revelation of himself in his word and us agreeing with and availing of his promises. And that's a great place to start just to pray. Let's read four or five verses in chapter nine. I'm not going to read the entire prayer because it just would take a bit long, but just maybe to whet your appetite. Daniel 9 verse 1, in the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, of the lineage of the Medes, who was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans. In the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by the books the number of the years specified by the word of the Lord through Jeremiah the prophet, that he would accomplish 70 years in the destruction of Jerusalem. Then, verse 3, then, having read the book, I set my face towards the Lord God to make request by prayer supplication, fasting, sackcloth, ashes. I prayed to, to Adonai. Now, Adonai, it means the master, the one over all. Daniel quotes him 10 times in the book of Daniel. He addresses Jehovah as Adonai. Nine times of those 10 times is in this chapter. He is something's moved in his heart. I want to submit to this the lordship of this king, and made confession. O Lord, great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant and mercy with those who love him and with those who keep his commandments. We have sinned and committed iniquity. We have done wickedly and rebelled, even by departing from your precepts and your judgments. And then he he goes into the prayer. It's divided, this, uh, this chapter. There's the prayer and its answer. It was a prophetic answer. And while, this is the first thing while, that struck me. While he prayed, at one point in time, I don't know it was morning, evening, or night, or over a period of day, but he prayed in one specific time. The answer extends and resonates on down through history. Some prayers affect and reverberates on down through your history and the history of your family. My grandmother on my father's side, her name was Catherine Hill. And it came to me when we talked about when Nick was referring to Argentina. In the late 1890s, as an 18-year-old, she heads out, and we have a picture of her with a big flowery hat and like Victorian sort of dress and a case and an umbrella to Argentina to be an au pair. That wasn't done in those days. She was some, she was some, some great woman. And uh, I met her briefly. She probably, I was about eight or nine when she died. She had arthritis. 
And she had a serenity about her. Her face was always shining and everything and long hair. But the thing is, one of her daughters, my aunt, told me before my aunt died, she said, you know, Larry, that Grandma Hill prayed for the Hill family. I said, yeah. I wasn't a Christian. And she said, you know, you were included in that prayer. And I said, oh, really? (laughs) I didn't think about it. But two years later, something strange happened in my life, and I I turned to Jesus. And he was no longer, God was no longer a concept. I was no longer proud and arrogant. Oh, yeah, I know that. I'm not interested in the Bible. I humble myself. I tell you, uh, and I'm sure it's for many families. It's not just us. That woman prayed, and they reverberated. Not everyone in our family, out of our family, cousins, everything, are Christians, but there's an awful lot of them are. And now the grandchildren, we're praying into them as well. So just when you pray and the Lord puts on you for someone, uh, um, even in your family circle, pray on. Hallelujah. We don't know what we're praying. Prophecy is important, but it doesn't substitute prayer. Okay, the second thing is, and let me just say this before I come to the point. Daniel... During his lifetime, he served as a counselor to one king, prime minister to four others, became provincial governor in Babylon. His knowledge of astronomy is acknowledged as having influenced the wise men 450 years later as they traveled west to worship the Messiah. I read that somewhere. Many considered him to be a very great, powerful man. Angels personally delivered God's answer to his prayers. Lions' mouths were shut in his presence. He was honored by kings. He was a great prophet, considered the, the equivalent of many of the great prophets, including John the Apostle, who prophesied a bit like Daniel in Revelation 12 and 13. His 100% historical accuracy of his predictions is phenomenal. His insight into world history up to the end of time continues to be studied by scholars and theologians. His greatness bridged world empires, transcend the centuries. And yet, brothers and sisters, before Jehovah Adonai, as he began to pray, he smeared himself with ashes. He humbled himself. No swagger. Because he knew his place before God. What a key to praying. Sometimes we just have to quiet our hearts. I was, we were away last weekend at an Elam church in, in near, near Derbyshire, and we stayed with my friend who, who is very, he, he, made, he, he made his fortune by the time he was 45, and, and, and now he's got involved in church things and everything else. But he, he, he loves astronomy, and he has this uh, um, telescope out in the the garden and he operates everything from indoors he presses a button and the shed moves back telescope goes up and he explores the heavens and he said and he was pointing me out some things that's why I've referred to it just amazing boggles the mind like stars trillion and trillion and trillion miles away and he says of course by the time the light reaches us they're gone there's new ones in and I said what do you oh he said Larry in his educated English sort of accent, he said, I get down on my knees and I worship God. How great is our God. We humble ourselves. Not in any self-condemning thing, oh, I'm a dirty sinner. No, just because of who he is. 
You know, many speak of the Daniel Key, the Daniel Feast, the Daniel Prophecy. There's been, con- there's been conferences about these things, but there's probably not too much about the Daniel Prayer. And yet his recorded prayer here in chapter 9, there are great keys. We touched on a few. Pray on down. Some prayers get caught up and down into the years ahead, the decades ahead, if we have them. There's a sense of his awe. We may just pray something like, find me a parking place, and we don't sense the, sort of the sovereignty and the awesomeness of God. But as you, you get before him and you still your heart, sometimes that just flickers by you. You're just, ah, oh, where was that? And you have a sense of who he is. But E.M. Bounds, E.M. Bounds, um, he wrote a classic book on prayer. If you don't have it, I really recommend the book. You know, we are what we, are what we read. And Ian Bounds' book of prayer, he describes this prayer. It says it, it contains keys to the possibilities, the reality, and the purpose and weapons of prayer. And then he says, effective prayer is the fruit of a relationship with God, not a technique for acquiring blessing. God's acquaintance is not made hurriedly. Mm. Charles Spurgeon said this, true prayer is neither mental exercise nor vocal performance. Now, you'll need both. But he says it's far deeper than that. I love this. It's the spir- it is spiritual transaction with the creator of heaven and earth. When you pray, you step into the operation of the Trinity. We can go many times every day into the unseen world. Prayer is just taking time to behold him. You see, this lifts the thing of having to pray prayers. And yes, I have prayer lists. Hallelujah for all that sort of thing. But we need this. Prayer is like a hand clasp with God. Now, he was undoubtedly a man of prayer. Um, Out of the 356 verses in his book, 125 of them say something about prayer. He's around 80 years old now. He first came to Babylon on a, on a fortnight's holiday. No, I'm only joking. He was kidnapped and dragged over. He was probably 14-ish, young teenager. He's now 80. So he's been there for 66, 67 years. They say we get more valuable the older we get. That's what I tell my grandkids. Um, But I think he did. He's 80 now. And I read something. He still has this commitment to pray. He hasn't allowed things to dilute that. Um, It isn't always easy sometimes. You know, we can think on a Sunday morning. I can paint a picture of all these type of mystical, spiritual things. But it's sometimes it requires time and energy, sacrifice. Sometimes it involves reading his promises again. And as that old Puritan saying, that pleading his promises before the throne. But it's a type of commitment that is motivated by a kind of love, agape love that comes into us, that's willing to do whatever it takes to get an answer. A few parallel verses from Colossians as I speak. Colossians 1.9, since the day we heard it, brethren, we do not cease to pray for you. What a commitment. There's one person she lives in Canada, a friend of my wife's, and 
cut to know me and she says, wherever you travel, Larry, I will pray for you every day. I know she does. It's rare. It's wonderful. But commitment to pray required some preparation. He, he, it just it didn't happen. And if you just flick back to chapter 6, verse 1 verse, chapter 6, verse 10. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, his debt warrants were signed, he went home. And in his upper room, no panic, with his windows open towards Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God, as was his custom since early days. That grabbed me. That was his habit. He did it. Whether he felt it, whether it was rainy, whether his debt warrant had been signed, or whether he was being promoted to a governor. Then these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God. So the third thing I see here is at the fourth. He, he, he looked through this, sorry, he found a place upstairs in his room. This is just the geography. West-facing window, we could say something about that, but where he could retire away from the all-consuming culture that can close in around us. You know, Babylon, the empire, it's still with us in spirit. It's seductive. We're in a, the age, spiritual age of a Babylonian age. It's seductive. It isn't Egyptian. Egyptian was more oppressive. And you knew nearly where you stood, but this is a very subtle age. And he, he, he needed to look up and acquire that upward look beyond all this other stuff around him into the atmosphere of heaven. The Colossian verse is this, if you've been raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand. Set your mind on things above. Here's the preparation. Not on things on the earth. And so, as he did this, day in, good times, bad times, and I'm sure he did it earlier on when he was a teenager and his three friends were taken and they wouldn't bow down to the God of that age and they were put into certain execution, a terrible, a terrible death into this fiery furnace. He, 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 he prayed way back and he'd been doing it all those 66, 67 years. He seemed to transcend his captivity and his circumstances and the tyranny of moods and distractions that we all come under and escape into his presence. He discerned early in his life that there was some potential that God had for him and somehow he found that. And, and, and even through all the, all the things he went through, he, he came to that place. You and I, we're all of same flesh as, as we commit, as we prepare, as we seek him, we'll come into that place. It could be driving in the rain one day with problems at home. It could be, it could be news of a, like of an illness. Uh, um, my elder brother, he's 80. He's just been such a fit man. He's been up to the uh, uh, base camp of Everest. He's trekked through Africa. He's a fit man. He loves Jesus. He, he was influential in my life. And he's been diagnosed with cancer. I don't think it will, will kill him, but it's serious enough. And this chemotherapy he went through and all the predictions they've said about it. The Gary, they said, 
you know, you won't feel well. The nurse has to stay with him all the time. It's being injected into him. And he, he just sits back and he says, how are you feeling? I'm fine. Are you sure? Yeah, I'm fine. Brought in a special cushion for his arm. You're going to need this. His friend, the GP, the local GP said, now, Gary, we're going to walk through this together. He said, fine. Last Saturday, he goes down to the local uh, park run. And he, said, he told me on the phone on Tuesday, he said, uh, um, I don't run anymore, but I walk it. I said, hello. And he said, you and your sister are the only ones who've seen me without a beard because he's had a beard all his life. Well, since he was 20, the beard's fallen. Hair's fallen out. He's more like me now. But anyway, and, and he's there. And he's transcending the circumstances. And I phone him up. I, we're got, I go to India on Thursday. He's having another session on Thursday. So from probably... Uh, uh, Abu Dhabi Airport, it's in my diary, I'm going to phone him. Just, I said, every day, it's two times, a, it's, it's every fortnight, I said, I'm praying for you. But there he is, a man like Daniel who's transcend these. And he said, I'll be praying every day for you. Hallelujah. This is reality. This is possible. Last, sorry, four weeks ago, Ruth and I went to visit friends of ours. In the, they're originally from uh, the south of England. And they're now a, a small house overlooking the sea in Wales. They're in their 80s. And they're wonderful people. They started a Christian school, primary and secondary, in a very posh area in South London. They also started a church, which 60 years ago is still going strong. Royalty, a cousin of the late Queen, came to this, came to the Lord Christian literature went into the house of Windsor through this person, through this church, through this couple. She preaches all over the world and, and incredible. She just has such a breath of read so many people. And there they were. He's dying. He isn't the man I knew. He's, uh, it's his heart. And it's, it's a wonder he's still alive and his head just goes down like this. And you know, one night we were there and she took out, she plays the Welsh harp and I found an old guitar tuned up and we're singing a few hymns we know he likes good John Wesley truth hymns about the new covenant and the new birth and the glory to come and as we're singing them his head lifts up and he says to his wife bring me my accordion and she says to me he's never played it for years this small little thing they like sort of Welsh folk news. And, and we bring it and, and he starts to Da, 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 boom, 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 boom. He's playing, his head gets up and he starts to sing and he starts to smile. And we just had a sweet time. And his last words were, he said, I don't know why I'm still here, brother. He said, half of me is already gone. And it gives you hope. But this is what I learned. She said to me, I was talking to her about her not traveling and not ministry. No, she said, I'm doing something else. She said, I am my husband's carer, 24 hours. Do this, do that. And then she said this, I read somewhere, she said, sometimes life is the art of getting used to what you didn't expect. And she said, I found that's what I'm doing. I didn't expect this. But I found a place in God that has enabled me to do it. That's transformation from within. Amen. Hallelujah. And you might be in a place 
that you're, you didn't expect and you're having to find the art of getting used to it. I just mean a circumstance in life, an unexpected thing. He is here. He can cause you to transcend that. It may not happen immediately. You'll still have to, she still has to get up three times a night to do sorts of things with him, etc. It is a bit of a grind, but I tell you, there's a sweetness in it as well. Another thing we read back in chapter 610, he cultivated the atmosphere of thankfulness. You know, sometimes we only go to pray because we have a moan. But despite circumstances that were less than ideal, enemies are still lurking to try and assassinate him, even at 80. He probably thinks, it's 800 miles back home. All my relatives, I'm sure, are gone. I, I'm not ever go back there. I'm still serving a pretty ruthless king that has butchered many. My boyhood dreams have faded. But he still found he was thankful in his, God's presence. How? How? Well, I think he viewed God not through the lens of his circumstance, but through the lens of his love, his sovereign purpose, and because he had something deposited in his life of the ages to come. He tasted something of the ages to come, probably in a place of prayer. One other thing, or maybe two other things, Isn't it interesting that he prayed this prayer as a result of reading the scriptures? We read it there in chapter 9. I, Daniel, verse 2, understood by the books certain things. By the word of the Lord through Jeremiah and the prophets. So books, so there was probably the book of Jeremiah and Lamentations. Maybe there were other books. That word, uh, uh, he said, understood. That's it in the English. It's very interesting. Hebrew word. It, yes, it's in form, but it actually can mean this. I love this. It said, I've received inside intelligence. Oh. Hallelujah. <laughs> you know, oh, I haven't a clue what to do. Oh, I don't know what to do. Lord, help me. No, no. Get before him. And you, I, I, I reckon you'll receive inside intelligence. It may not come like we're living in the instantaneous age and sparks and flashes and everything. Just, it'll, it'll come out. And so, isn't it wonderful, this book? We don't read it. Prophecy is not just to satisfy our curiosity about the future, but it's there to help our spiritual capacity Expect every time you open your Bible and read a passage that God will speak to you. Expect it. You may say, well, it doesn't always happen. No, well, it probably does, but we don't, we're not always aware of it. What other book can we read where the creator of the universe is speaking to us and where the author himself can actually indwell us, teach us, Enable us to understand and then to give us the power to comply. I think the last time I was here, I spoke about the, uh, the sweetness and the wildness of his word. And uh, there is pressure, there's opposition. Every time we thought, oh no, I have to do something else, I have to do this. And yeah, I mean, we're wise about life, but, but 
more and more create space to read this. Just read it. One verse, ten verses. Have a run at it. Amazing. You will receive inside intelligence. (laughs) Now, I'm just going to quickly read Jeremiah, the whole book. No, a few verses from 29. Because this is, he, he probably read this. For thus says the Lord. This is probably written, what was Jeremiah? About uh, uh, a few years beforehand. Um, After 70 years are completed at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good words towards you. This is Jeremiah 2010. And cause you to return to this place. You see, some answers are capsuled in time. Verse 11. We love this verse, but this is the context of this verse. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. And we stop there, but then verse 12 says, Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me. So you hear a directional voice, you hear a word of prophecy, you read about it, and it resonates within you. What do you do? You go and write a book. Form a... a, a a committee, no, you go and pray to him and I will listen to you and you will seek me and find you when you search me with all your hearts. And then he said, he said something, some specific things, but something must have registered within him as he read from Jeremiah and 29 particularly, written actually, it was over 60 years ago. And so his attention is drawn to a promise that had actually been there all along, but was now filled and waiting for meaning for him and for his people and for nations. And it could be just something for you, a promise for you or your family or a situation. You know, we, can, we need sometimes to raise our sights a bit rather than this, this world, the circumstances, uh, uh, all those things can force us, us down. But it's wonderful today as we worship. I find when I come here and, and we worship from, from up here, we're led in worship. I get, oh Lord, hallelujah. I, I, I'm going to be able to get up and speak here this morning because of this, this, this elevation that we feel in our spirits. So just to say, our prayers need to be based on his word, not just a wish, not just a want or a hope. So at times it will be, but really see his word. Now, a few things he says here in chapter nine, he says things like fasting, sackcloth and ashes. Uh, uh, they were more appropriate, at least the, Uh, the last two, to the day and to the tradition than they are now. But they're still true spiritually. You see, when you find that a Daniel type of prayer, you want to pray it, at times it will necessitate a fasting, uh, an abstinence of something. Yes, food, but it could also be that addictive thing we call social media. How subtly addictive it is. It's instant you know, if you're into politics, bang, bang, bang there it is. And, and, and we're all, it's great in one sense, but it's very addictive. I don't know, sometimes just to put my phone off. I mean, sometimes I text my wife or I phone my wife and she hasn't answered. And I, oh, why, I buy her a mobile phone. Why doesn't she keep, and then I realize, ah, she must be praying. <laughs> oh, she must be reading the word. She has a priority over my calls to her. <laughs> Anyway, I could tell you a few stories there. But it, it could be anything. Entertainment. And, and I watched two rugby matches yesterday. But I didn't watch any 
thing for the whole week is I was preparing for today and preparing for I don't know how many meetings next week in India. But I think there's a freedom in what I'm saying. It's not, I'm sure that Daniel had other things to do. And yet, in his spirit, he prayed every day as he was the governor, as he was prime minister, as he, was, as he, he, he knew this presence of the Lord. And he knew what it was, there were times to fast. And uh, why, why, why do we fast? Is it to show God how pious we are? No. To add credit to our effort? No. Oh, to make love, to make God love us more? No. Maybe it'll change his mind? No. He loves you anyway. And if fasting changes anyone, it'll change you. Uh, So why do it? Well, one reason, and it's enough for me, that Jesus expects it. He didn't say, oh, by the way, if you fast, he said, when you fast, and there's something he knows. Start. Anyway, you'll find uh, uh, um, what to do. Um, it does sharpen your focus. It clarifies yourself. Um, and this whole sackcloth and ashes, I've touched on that. It's, it's, it's a sense of who he is, humility. Um, and uh, where do we want to go? Supplications in verse 3. Uh, supplications. This is a good King James word, but it, it, think of supple. Someone who's supple, they're flexible. Um, my wife, she isn't here, but she's, she, can, she gets up first thing in the morning she, and, and she touches her toe. She touches the floor with the, with the palm of her hands and she does things. And I, I, it takes me a long time to get down there. In fact, sometimes when I'm down there, I wonder, is there anything else I need to do while I'm here, right? <laughs> I'm not subtle, but I want to get more supple. And we get supple by exercise. There's something with supplications. We're supple in prayer. We're flexible. We're humble. Um, a posture. Um, and then he just says other thing, and, and, and we're nearly finished in verse 4. And he made confession. Now, in Ireland, we think we have this, even though I was brought up in the Protestant tradition, there is this thing of confession. Have you been to confession today, Michael? Oh yeah, I'm okay. I, I cleared it all well. And, and we have that, right? That idea of in the box and we confess things. And, and yet you'll find that nearly 70% of this prayer is confession. So what does that mean? Yes, there will be a time that we may ad- involve admission of guilt and professing things and confessing things. But the real word is it Confession in the Hebrew means I agree with, I align with the reality of who you are, Lord, your Adonai God, of your character and your, and your actions. One who is the owner of my life and the master of the universe. You see, the, the other thing I notice when he comes on to this confession thing in verse 5, he, he, he says, we have sinned. He, he's not saying, oh, those Oh, the dirty sinners, those, those, those Jews here in captivity, and they've, they're more integrated into Babylon than the Babylonians. No, no, he's identifying with them. And yet, you read in Ezekiel, I believe it's chapter 14, three men Ezekiel names as being righteous men, really righteous men. There's Noah... And there's Job, and guess who? Old Danny Boy himself. <laughs> Righteous. And yet here he is. It's not they, but it's, him. It, it, it's us. 
I, I agree, Lord, with your character. I align with the fact we've rebelled. And so uh, we won't have time. We'll, we will go out of this. Notice that word in verse 4. It's hesed, your loving kindness. Your loving kindness. You could write a whole book on God's loving kindness. Hallelujah. I don't know if we could sing. What was that song we just sang? Um, oh, I meant to make a note of it. Where's Stephen? Or maybe. I speak Jesus. Yes. I speak. But, you know, he, what's, what is Jesus? He's interceding. He's not saying, I father every morning. He's interceding over the whole world. And if there's things that have just come to light, come to the surface, as we sing this, and I pass back to Pastor Nick, and Stephen and the team will sing this. You just rise, stand on your feet and say, Lord, I want this to be a new day. Lord, I've made many commitments in the past and New Year resolutions, but by your spirit, I want to be a woman and a, a man of prayer that can pray down through the centuries for my family, down through the years, down through the weeks. And I'm no longer going to be a slave to fear. I'm no longer going to be a slave to the Babylonian seductive age that we're living in. And he'll do it. Anyway, God bless you. Thank you for tuning in with us today. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Cork Church. Also, make sure to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you have any questions, you can email us info at corkchurch.com or just check out our website. It's www.corkchurch.com. Again, thank you for tuning in and we will see you next time.